flourishing families with Dr. Daughter Blatt, the switched-on kids chiropractor, and her passionate friends, sharing the secrets of inspiring wellness to help your families thrive. I've got Charlotte Torbop here today. I'm very excited. She's from the Mindfulness Clinic. Charlotte, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, I'm in a very privileged position because I work with what I'm most passionate about and and I know it works. I see it on a daily basis. Um, so I work with mindfulness and I have for the last 10, 15 years. Of course, it's extremely researched. Um, you know, there's over 150,000 research docu- documents or articles on it. Many of them are nonsense ones, <laughs> but, but, nonetheless, <laughs> but nonetheless point to the effectiveness. And of course, it, what, it, what it does, it, that it mirrors and matches that ancient practice of, of mindfulness, which sits within Buddhism, and it matches that beautifully. So that's exciting. Just just to make sure that we know that we're all on the same page, what 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 is mindfulness? Yeah, that's a good question because I think there's so many different um, definitions. Some define the practice, some the outcome, for instance, and that, yeah. that's confusing in itself. Yes. So if you if you are doing mindfulness, it's a doing thing. It's not something you can read in a book. Reading about mindfulness is not going to make you mindful because it requires awareness. So it is a practice where we start to get to know our minds. And, of course, our mind is a result of our past, (laughs) right? So we start to observe how the mind works so that we can direct it more in wholesome ways and away from unwholesome. That's really what we're doing. Okay. So so can you give me an example? Because that sounds very beautiful, but I'm not quite sure if I can see it in my head. Yeah. So, So you will notice thoughts, right? Thoughts pop up all the time. You'll also notice sensations, feelings in your body um, arise all the time, right? So when you observe something that comes up that's not very pleasant, let's say you observe jealousy, yeah. right? And you'll notice that as a sensation that sort of sits in the, in the chest and in the gut. You can go, whoa, I better just breathe a little bit now. So that doesn't kind of become a really big cloud, that's one example when you catch it in the body, yeah, right? And you just yeah. sit with it and you know it as a visitor. You don't have, it's not a truth. You can just be with it. Yeah. You might notice a thought that goes, oh, I don't know why he's saying that. What a stupid thing to say. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me not continue further on that one. Just take a few breaths and calm down and then see other options of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Because every time you think a, a thought that's kind of charged in that way, you're strengthening what we call sort of the angry, greedy, um, arrogant, uh, reactive wolf within. Yeah. And what you want to do is you want to kind of dial that down. But every time you follow those new pathways, you strengthen it. And we want to really dial that one down while we enhance the other. And I think that's what we're talking about today, how we enhance the, the happy, uh, healthy, wholesome wolf within. Yeah. And one of those ways, of course, is gratitude. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so g- going back to that, uh, you say we have thoughts that are going, um, and I think we all do, you know, we yes. have several types and, and lots of stuff going on. What I'm finding is that uh, I myself frequently realize that I don't hear the voice. It's sitting almost like yes, a subconscious voice. an undercurrent yeah but how how is that a voice that you that you work with in mindfulness or yeah is, 
I love that question because the first practice of mindfulness is not mindfulness of thought. It's actually, that's the last. The first one is mindfulness of the body. Okay. And if you have undercurrents, which we all do, yes. of, and you're, you know, of kind of a negative or, you know, uh, frustrated, stressful, resentful, um, impatient, which, again, we all do, yeah. then you, you will notice that actually they arise from a body state that matches that. It, it's so clear that from a very calm and contented body state, those thoughts cannot arise. Yeah. So that means when you're working on keeping your body calm, you'll also naturally have a calmer mind. Right. So therefore, the first practice in mindfulness is mindfulness of the body. And that means we're always checking in with, where's this dear body at? And when the body is in an anxious or um, uptight or what we call a charged state, then our first responsibility is to calm that down. And how would you do that? Ah, love that question too <laughs> so the the first thing is to pay attention to where that that charge is in the body you can also and this works really really powerfully um you can simply place your hand over your body over your heart or where the charge is okay. and then you pay attention to the warmth and you just in the mind reassure the body dear body it's okay okay it's okay we're safe and all is well and that just down-regulates. Okay. And you'll notice it happens very, very quickly, right? Um, even if you're prone to panic attacks, you can do that. You may, if it's a panic attack, need a little bit more of a, of a um, attention grabber, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. could be a slight pinch in the inner arm. Because as soon as you pinch and you feel the pain, your attention goes to the pain and away from gen- the generation of the anxiety. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, you can also, of course, uh, do what we call the five magic breaths, and that's all on my website, where you're just doing a longer out breath and in breath, which gets you into the parasympathetic. But sometimes, if we're in a real charge, we can't even access that. Right. So the body is the first place yeah. to downregulate. Oh, very good. So how how would you explain that to, let's say, a school child? Because I'm, I'm sure you're aware that uh, kids are under more stress than I've probably ever been before and, and I've definitely experienced a lot of kids that come in and have issues with anxiety, they've got nightmares, they've got a lot of stuff going on. Does this work in, in children? Yes, beautifully. Actually, I had a young girl, she was only uh, 11, who came in and I showed her a little um, panic attack interrupter of the pinch yeah. and she came in the next time and she said, look at all my bruises. Uh, <laughs> and I said, yeah, but that's much better than training the, the wrong neuropathways, right? Yes. So, so absolutely Absolutely, they get it. And they also get it from the perspective of your dear body just wants you to be safe. Yeah. Right? And it gets a little overactive in that way. Yeah. It is your job to be to check out, is there a real danger? And if there isn't, then you calm it down. Yeah. But don't rely on the mind. Look around and see if you're, if there's no great buses coming your way, most likely you are safe. Yeah. Right? Because the mind, once your body's charged, as we said before, is going to look for the dangers. That's yeah. how it's trained. So children like that idea that, oh, so I have to be work in collaboration in effect with yeah. my body to calm it down right so i can when my heart's racing i can just put my hand over there and i can say to the heart dear heart it's okay we're safe and all is well we're safe and all is well that really, children get it very quickly children probably actually get it quicker than the best of yes, us because they're going to sit there and think you know thinking mind is that gonna work i know I <laughs> how know. is that gonna work how I is know. that gonna affect the hormones yes that's right that's <laughs> yeah. right you know I had a lovely, a lovely um, 
a friend who, who said to me, I just want to tell you how it worked for my son. You know, she's been doing the Dear Body program and so she's shared that with him and he was sick and he was really in a state. And she said, let's just sit and talk to your dear body. And he just put his little hand, you know, he's six, his hand on his body, and he just kept caressing the body going, dear body, dear body. And he just, of course, got out of that very anxious and upset sick state to come. And he said, my body's a little better now, mummy. So children get it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of... um, I don't want to call it the media, but, you know, you read a lot about, oh, you should meditate every day. Uh, But what's the difference between mindfulness and meditation? Well, I'd say that mindfulness is a type of meditation. Meditation can be a guided meditation. There's many different types of meditations. But mindfulness is is a practice. It's a type of meditation where we're really observing the mind. That's the key thing. So so you might have some lovely meditations where you're sort of following a, a wandering path or, you know, being with nice light, etc. And that's all good and lovely, but it's not mindfulness training. So technically speaking, it doesn't help you get to know your mind. So it takes you to a, a good place and it strengthens the right neuropathways, yes. but it doesn't get you to know the mind. And that's, that's where the power is in order to create, to you know, feed the right wolf, if you like, yeah. getting to know it. So, so I might be putting words into your mouth here, but what I hear you say is it's almost like mindfulness is a way of living, whereas mindfulness is retreat, retreating a little bit uh, from living. Uh, am I wrong? That meditation is a retreat. Meditation is a, a place where you sit down, you remove yourself, you go for your your wandering path up yes. you know, to the beautiful yes, like waterfall. an escape almost. Yeah, yeah but well, I mean, it's a great place for yes, the brain yes, to be. Yes. But it is you are sort of removing yourself from the situation. Yes. What I hear you say is mindfulness is almost something that you're doing with your eyes open. You're in a situation. You might be in front of a teacher that's a little bit scary, and you can actually at that particular point, uh, in a conscious way, tell your body to do what it, you know, maybe would be better off doing rather than going into this panicky state. Yeah, that, that's a, yes. So, yes and no. <laughs> because what you're describing is, you know, the mindful way of living where you're observing in life what's going on and down-regulating. Yes. yes. Um, however, it's very hard to catch yourself out in that way unless you do some pr- formal practice. Of course. So, all the good research is based on a minimum of 10 minutes a day over an eight to nine week period. Right. Because that down-regulates your system in in the first place. It also sharpens your attention muscles so that you start to be able to observe what's actually going on. And, of course, you generally become more aware. Yeah. Right? So... There, we have informal practice and formal. So that some of the ones I just talked about before are informal practices, yes. but we shouldn't ignore the formal practice. It's really, really important. And particularly if you're feeling high levels of anxiety, you know, 10 minutes a day is all it takes to make a big difference in your life, yeah. to start to sleep better, for instance. And, I mean, we know that not sleeping is one of the early indicators of, of mental illness, of all yeah. sorts of um, mental challenges, if you like, right? So mindfulness is very, very linked to to creating much better sleep, quality and length of sleep, right? So so the formal practice, don't ever uh, ignore that or dial that down. Okay. Now, I want to return to that uh, in a minute, but I just heard you say a couple of times, uh, times down-regulating the system. Yes. And you also mentioned the parasympathetic uh, system. Can you maybe explain a little bit about what you mean by that? Right. So uh, we have something called the amygdala <laughs> that some of your listeners may know about and they're deeply embedded in sort of the in the in the old brain and they are little uh threat alerters if you like. Uh so as soon as there's a perception of threat, 
they get activated. And when they're activated, we see the world through a perspective of danger, danger, problems, problems. And that they it also activates then the body the body changes actually it changes from being in potentially in a calm state what we call the parasympathetic it's also called the rest and digest state that's actually supposed to be our home base it activates us into another state that's about getting away from danger or moving towards what we think is going to feel good so that activation and um in that state uh, there's kind of a depletion of resources, if you like, if it's sustained. It's a fantastic thing um, for just that little um, energizer, if you like, to move us up and get us you know, into what we need to get away from or get towards something. But the problem is in our culture more and more, we've kind of moved in there. So we're constantly living in that state. And that's not how it's supposed to be. You can, you can think of the analogy being firemen. You know, if, if there's no fire, and what are they doing? They're cooking, talking, preparing, maintaining, etc. And then the bell rings and they go out on the fire. Well, many, some of us are living as if we're always out putting out fires. Mm. And, of course, they burn out and so do we. Yeah. Yeah, burn out. Yeah, literally. Yes, yeah. yes that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, so sorry, I didn't answer that. The down regulation is when yeah. you observe that you're in that state, mm-hmm. and then you bring yourself back to the rest and digest the parasympathetic, and you do that just by making a long out breath and in breath, by putting your hand on your chest and saying, "Dear body," because mm. it brings you into the present. In the present, you're not generating stress. Right. That's beautiful. That's very nice. Hmm. So you, you were talking about uh, gratitude and gratitude being yes. a type of um, mindfulness or mindfulness state, I suppose. Well, we talk about, you know, really from the, that perspective of kind of strengthening the healthy. Yes. So the, the healthy, wholesome wolf within and gratitude along with love and compassion and joy uh, is one of those domains that we strengthen. So gratitude is a, is a beautiful, healthy mind state. We all know that. I mean, if, if your listeners want to kind of just put, your, put the hands, you know, like in the praying position and then bow the head and say, thank you. Just try that for a moment. Thank you. Am I supposed to say thank you? I was just thinking. You do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking thank you. Thank you. And what do you observe? I actually observe a really nice light spreading out uh, on top of my head. Right. It was a bit like sunshine, sunrise. Yeah. Very nice. It's beautiful, isn't it? Mm. So simple. So simple. So you also notice a calming instantly, right? Oh, totally. A muting of the self, mm. right? And a calming. So, you know, we, we sort of consider that gratitude has always been part of human lives, you know, through our religions, and we've kind of dropped it. We used to say grace. We used to do offerings and things. Yes. And now we don't do any of that, and there's a, at a great loss because, you know, we almost do the opposite. We sort of sit in this idea that we deserve. We deserve everything. But, you know, no one on the way into this life went, you're going to get a special deal around here. <laughs> you know, actually, we were, what? <laughs> yeah, but we were promised nothing. Really, that's the truth. We were promised nothing. And when we really sit with that and we get, wow, we were promised nothing, then everything is kind of a bonus. And that brings us to gratitude. That is a very good state to be in. Yeah. Yeah. And taking you back to we were promised nothing, well, we've been born in Australia. Yes, um, at the right time. Yeah. Well, you weren't. We weren't born in Australia, oh, well, but in a Western yeah. safe world, right? Yeah. At a time, yeah. Uh, so what? What? What can people do? Like walking around with your hands folded on your chest is 
maybe not going to work so well. Are there other ways we can reach this state? Well, I mean, you noticed that, you know, within a split second you were there, Mm -hmm. right? So there's no reason you can't, when you go to the toilet, do that. I mean, you go to the toilet many times a day and you get sort of a double uh, dose of pleasure. (laughs) Right? (laughs) You can do it when you wake up. You can do it between meetings. You You can say a little grace and that before you start your food, for instance. There's lots of ways that we can integrate that little pause of opening the heart and bowing the head. That's in effect what we're that doing, is, right? I'm just good. a little human and I am grateful for the for the journey and the experience. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned, uh, I can't remember, that might have been before we started, but you mentioned the traditions that we have had and many cultures have that have... Um, integrated. Uh, inter- yeah, integrated. And we're, we're, it seems like the traditions that we have now are, are more of an escape, whether that's, you know watching something on TV or watching something on your phone, but it almost seems to be like a a, a flight away from our present state. Yes. Uh, how, how do you feel that we can potentially create more of that grounded um, presence uh, into our, our culture in 2018? Right. So, you know, again, come back to the body. So when you sit down in a chair, and this is children are really easy to get into the body because I mean they are in the body in the first years and we all are right. Yes, yes. So the, the problem we just get out of them and we start to identify with our heads. So we get back into the body. So we so as we're sitting on a chair, you become curious around the sensations of your bottom against the seat, of your feet against the floor, of your hands, of what you see, of what you hear, of what you taste, of what you smell. So you come back to your senses. Right, and it's actually a really rich place to be. <laughs> yes, yeah, right? almost a little bit overwhelming when you point it out like that. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> Lots of things to pay attention to. Oh, <laughs> that's right. And as soon as we're in this, you know, with our senses, we're present. Yeah. Right. Um, and also, I think you know, be kindly curious with ourselves. And what am I trying to escape from? Are some of it just bad habits, like you know, social media and those things are, are geared towards addiction. They give us a little dopamine squirt that it is just a little hormone that squirts so that we keep doing it. You know, do you want to? You know, is it all right when you're 84 to have spent a lot of time on that? The average uh, amount of hours that Australians spend in front of a screen right now are 46 hours a week. A week. So, you know, is that a good use of time? 46 hours a week. That's more than the minimum weekly work hour, uh, work work time. That's right. That is outrageous. Yeah. I mean, many of us, of course, use it for work as well. But nonetheless, you know, yeah. is it, does, it get, does it deliver the life quality? Or just take a moment of, of gratitude, for instance, and notice the difference. Mm. What are the experiences? Which are, which are the wolves you want to kind of feed in that space? Yeah. Right, And then there's a lovely little gratitude practice that's an ancient, it's sort of a, a mature person's gratitude practice because many of these things, like gratitude, it gets hijacked by the West. It becomes kind of, you know, I always think of candy floss. It becomes like a candy floss thing rather than really substantial nurturing practice yes, that yes. they intended to be. And, you know, I'd, you know, whether you do that with your partner or with your children at night or whatever, it's very simple. You just say, um, what have I uh, received? What have I... Today? This is the tradition you're trying to make for a nighttime ritual? Yes, exactly. What have I received? What have I given? And then what difficulties may I have caused? And sometimes we think, oh, that's a bit... mm -mm." But, you know, just the fact that we perhaps had chicken for dinner, that means that something suffered for us. Um, And it brings us back into humility. 
Um, so for the grace of God, right, and yeah. which brings us back into gratitude. So it's a lovely sort of round circular um, little practice of gratitude, appreciation, humility, and reflection. Yeah, that's very nice. Hmm. Uh, and do you have any experience with with that particular practice with children? Like you say, it's easy to do with children. What what are the what are the changes that you have observed, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I get I get lovely stories back from. Um, so I mainly work with adults, apart from our mindful uh, caring program, and it's so lovely that you know um, parents will say how they've shared this with their children, and then the children will catch them out, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. They go, "Oh, but mummy, <laughs> yes." So the children become the teachers because they take to it so quickly. Yeah. Coming back to them being present, they're present in their body, yes. uh, and they, I think, much better at not getting lost in all those um, thoughts that are going around and around and around and around. Yes. Now I need to do this. I'm, I know I'm reading you a bedtime story, yes. but really I have to go fill the dishwasher, and then I should yes. put another load on, uh, you know, in the washing machine, and and yes. oh my goodness, lunch is for tomorrow. Yes. Uh, and we just on that merry-go-round of you know what's next, what's next. Indeed, that's mm. right. And, you know, I think, you know, I don't want to add to kind of the the pressure of parenting because I think there's so much we're bombarded. But personally, I think apart from the basic things, ensuring that your children sleep and get some good food and lots of hugs and love, it is that you are in a state of calm um, for much of the time yeah. because we know that little brains form in relation to big brains so mm. you're contagious and your your words become their inner dialogue mm. so you know that that calm state is the big it's a huge gift you can give to your children mm. and not so in, and also in terms of not generating their anxiety any any further yeah. uh, how many of us have experienced that where Um, you hear your child say something that you think you're not saying, but it's in your head, and you think, oh, my goodness, where did you learn that phrase? Yeah. Yes. And you know that you yes. might not say it in front of them, but yes. you think it. Yes. And it's like, oh, yeah, call out. Yeah. Again. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know, and our states are contagious. I mean, work by uh, Dr. Dan Siegel, it's very, very clear. You know that that you may not say a word, <laughs> but your const your your almost the content, the state of your brain is being downloaded, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah. watch your state. <laughs> e- easier said than done, but it can yeah. be done. But the good yeah. thing is we know how. We know how. Uh, so we know how by what coming back into the down regulating, down regulating, yeah. being becoming aware. Your daily mindfulness practice, the yeah. five magic breaths, longer out breath and in breath. And look, I have a lot of free resources on my website, so you, you can just go to www.themindfulnessclinic.com.au. Um, there's eight weeks of um, daily email reminders that are free. There's all the nine mindfulness trainings that are free, and lots of additional resources. So yeah, because it's it, I mean. Makes a better world, to be honest. <laughs> so you have what nine mindful? What, what did you say? Yeah, mindfulness. So they're the formal practices, so okay. the ten minute uh, mindfulness practices. Oh, so there is yeah. a gratitude one there too. Yeah. There's um, there's self compassion. There's a good night one. There's all different ones. Um, if you're new to it, I'd suggest that you start with you can start with a gratitude. That's a nice one. Yeah. But also just the basic what we call the A B C D, which is a basic attention training. Um, yeah. And there's lots of research uh, on the website around why that's a good place to start. We know that, of course, attention is the most powerful. Our ability to manage attention is the most powerful predictor of a good life. 
Mm. I'm really interested in that. Mm. Okay, can you can you tell me more? Well, the the um, study is um, based on. You might have heard the marshmallow experiment. Yes. Have you heard of that? Yeah. So that, so for for the listeners who are not aware of it, it was the done I think about forty years ago Long time in ago, New yeah. Zealand. Um, a group of children had placed um, were, had a marshmallow f- uh, placed in front of them, and then the teacher says, "If you don't eat that by the time I go and come back, you'll get a second one." So a third ate it straight away, a third waited, and a third was somewhere in between. So thirty five years later, the researchers went back and interviewed these children, and they were curious around how they had fared and what they found was those children that had managed their attention and of course, there are a couple elements to that, like if they kept looking at the marshmallow, it would have gone go yeah, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they had to shift their attention from that and maintain it on something else, and at the same time remember the rewards so they 're kind of three domains in attention yeah, management. Yeah. And they found that those who had, had in every way, had better lives. Yeah. And that that was much more, more of a predictor of a good life than the school they went to, the postcode, the profession of their parents, and all of those other. Uh, and that, that's from a sort of a very basic test around you haven't gone to prison, you consider that you have a good family, stable family life, yeah. a good yeah. job, good income, etc., cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Which is really exciting, but not surprising. I mean, you know, everywhere your attention goes, that's where your experience yes. flows, right? Yes, yes. So you're constantly experiencing things according to where your attention is and you're forming your brain according to where your attention is, yeah, right? Yeah. It's interesting, is it, that whole thing of, I remember hearing about the story but talking more about the, the, the delayed gratification and at yes. the time when I was talking about, people told me about it, it had more to do with that thing of, um, you know, you will put in the work now and you will reap the benefits later. Yes. So they were talking about better edu- education and, and maybe being able to build for a bigger, you know, you, you save Reward. a longer, yeah, so you can get a bigger house or whatever. Yes. But it is interesting that it actually affects everything else that you're doing in all areas of your yes. life. Yes. Uh, but yes, it makes sense if you can, content- mm-hmm. if you can keep your attention on, on the task. Uh, that is of most benefit to you and not what's right in front of you. Yes. Makes perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Salada, thank you for your time. Can you Pleasure. just run through again, just because yes. it was a very long website? Where, where can we? Where can people get a hold of you? Okay. Yeah. So it's themindfulnessclinic.com.au and um, there's lots of resources in there. All the audios, um, the guided meditations, your eight weeks of free mindfulness uh, reminder emails, and many other good things. There's podcasts and lots of things there. So, yeah. Sounds great. Enjoy. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. It was a pleasure. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Family Chiropractic or the host. Brought to you by Family Chiropractic Centre, Charlestown. Serving the families in Newcastle, Lake Macquarie and Charlestown.